Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Proper Picks Podcast. We are live on a beautiful Wednesday in Mobile, Alabama. The sun's out, the birds are chirping, a little chilly outside, but we're into November football, ladies and gentlemen. The season is flying by. We had a wild weekend last week in college football, several upsets. Coaches are starting to get the shit can, some deserving, some possibly not. The AP poll is out in college football, and Georgia is back to number one after a massive win over Tennessee. Pretty much dominated the whole game. Ohio State stays firm at number two, Michigan at three. TCU is all the way up to number four, and that's your playoff picture right now. Obviously, there's going to be some shakeup there as Ohio State and Michigan will play in a couple weeks, I believe two weeks from this Saturday. Tennessee is the first team on the outside looking in, followed by Oregon, LSU, two loss LSU, that is, USC, and UCLA. Um, Not the top 10 we dropped at the beginning of the season, that's for sure. Where is Utah? They're actually at number 11 right now. That was the team that I had getting in um, as my Pac-12 contender. But this thing could shape up really interesting. You know, we'll have to see what happens with Ohio State and Michigan. I am still wavering on that game right now. Three weeks ago, I said this was all Ohio State. Um, Offense up there in Columbus hasn't looked so far to date what we thought it was going to be. So that game will have a huge implication. Um, really, Georgia and Tennessee play nobody except for when Georgia's going to go to the SEC championship. As of right now, it's LSU. I get this weird feeling, though, there's going to be some more shakeup down the road for the SEC West. Um, Ole Miss plays Bama this weekend. Bama could effectively knock out Ole Miss. Um you know, with, that would give them two losses. Bama has two losses. Tiebreaker would go to Bama. LSU has one loss. The thing here is LSU's pretty much in the driver's seat. I think they've got Arkansas and A&M left. Um, can't see them going 0-2 there, right? That would be really tricky. But let's say LSU does lose back-to-back SEC ball games. Bama, if they get a win in the Iron Bowl, which seems likely, would get in. But I would say right now it's Georgia-LSU. Um, this scenario sets up almost perfect for the SEC to get two in. I just can't see a world where TCU runs the rest of this out. I mean, they're undefeated, ranked fourth in the country, and they're a seven-point dog to Texas this weekend. Just shows you what Vegas is thinking there. Um, the only way I, I think TCU can get in is they run the table. Ohio State and Michigan, I believe one of them will knock the other one out. And then you're going to see that Tennessee team who plays nobody the rest of the season, doesn't have to go to the SEC championship. I believe how they'll set it up is you'll have a Georgia-Tennessee rematch at 1-4, an Ohio State-TCU at 2-3, a Michigan-TCU at 2-3. But it's going to be interesting. Uh, Would the pollsters take a one-loss Ohio State team who lost to Michigan over a one-loss Tennessee team? Um, you know, everybody says SEC bias, but I think you'd actually see Ohio State get in. That's just my personal opinion. Bama loses to LSU essentially out of the playoff picture. Is it time to start considering replacements for Nick Saban? I'm not saying that he should be gone now. I'm just saying that's got to be in the picture, right? 
Um, something just looks different about this team this year. I obviously, we live in the South, so Bama is a talking point, you know, tirelessly every single day. I mean, they are great. They have the GOAT, but a lot of fans overreacting, saying, I think it's just time to get to let him go. Not, not necessarily get rid of him, but let him retire. I still think the dude has a couple years in the tank. If he keeps recruiting at the level he's at, I don't see, you know, with the kind of factory he's built there with coordinators, you know, is it time to let him go? I think what they need to pump the brakes on over there in T-Town is, you know, two losses this year and the fan base has already pretty much given up on the season. Um, I'm sure they'll still support, but welcome to real the real world where teams have two losses in November. Everyone does. Some teams have six, you know. So the uh, the question is who's the replacement? When do you do it? How long do you let him hang on? Do you have a Bobby Bowden, Joe Pa situation on your hand where maybe he won't want to leave? I think it's different, to be honest. I think this dude is such a winner that he doesn't want to have too many bad years on his resume. Couldn't Nick Saban go three years in a row without a playoff appearance and keep and stay? I just don't see that. Um, on the other side of the state, Auburn in a coaching candidate search right now. Obviously, for the last two weeks, it's pretty much been the story. Auburn fires Brian Harson. thank God. Um, they hired Cohen, the, uh, the athletic director from Mississippi state. He was introduced yesterday as Auburn's, um, athletic director. I don't know how much of a hand he's going to have in the decision-making here. He should be the one making the decision, but we all know Auburn likes to, you know, some people like to put their hands in that decision-making process. Um, I put together a list myself. It, I wouldn't say it's far-fetched. I would just say these are the people that I would be chasing. Um, I've got them in tiers, tier one, um, undeniably no doubt the top candidate for me is Lane Kiffin I've made jokes about this I would take a Louis Vuitton duffel bag with about 80 to 100 million whatever they need and drop it off at the Kiffin's front doorstep and just see what he says if he says no likes it at Ole Miss which doesn't seem to be all the way the case but you know he's turning that thing around and he wants to stay you know more power to him that would indicate to me that he's going to be Bama's next guy um, but that's who I'd be going and dropping the bag for. Second biggest bag would go to Deion Sanders. Um, that one probably ruffles some feathers uh, with the Auburn, I guess, old heads. I don't know what to call them. Um, he would be, you know, not technically now the first black uh, head coach in Auburn history because Cadillac is filling that in an interim role. Hats off to Cadillac. But um, it would be a shake-up type hire, in my opinion. I think the dude's completely capable. I've watched some Jackson State games. I don't necessarily know how great a coach he is on the X's and O's side. Um, but his team has his teams have been good at Jackson State. Um, it is in the SWAC, and it's not the best competition. But he's going out there and recruiting in the SWAC and getting five-star players, four-star players to kind of come that HBCU route, I think it'd just be good shakeup. I think he's got a lot of swag to him. I think players want to play for that. I think he could recruit really well at Auburn. Um, I just wonder, is, is Auburn the right fit for him if he wants to make that jump to the, you know, power five level, if you will. Um, the third candidate and the last in the tier one to me is no surprise. It's Hugh Freeze. I think with Hugh Freeze, there's obviously baggage behind it with the stuff that happened at Ole Miss. Don't really need to – dive into those details too much because everybody knows you know what what happened there um but you know he's rebuilt the image a little he's he's been at liberty i'm sure i don't know this for certain but i know there's been offers for him to leave he's stayed 
Um, you know, he loses Malik Willis, who is starting now for the Tennessee Titans, and he, you know, gets a new guy in this year. And they haven't really skipped a beat. Matter of fact, they just went to Arkansas and beat Arkansas last week. And if you didn't want to put any more, you know, coal on the fire for Hugh Freeze at Auburn, he did, you know, that win certainly uh, opened the eyes even more if you weren't really looking into Hugh Freeze. I think he's a good fit in the sense that he's been in the SEC West. Um, he was recruiting well at Ole Miss. We don't know how much of that was tangible, but that was pre-NIL deals. So if Auburn's got the money, they're saying they've got to throw at players for the NIL. Um, I don't see where any three of these names would be a bad fit. All good recruiters, all proven winners, you know, Lane and Hugh a little more. Um, my tier two, and it's not a knock on them. I just feel like this is guys that I'll be looking at second. I mean, how can you not look at Mike Stoops at Kentucky? Is he fully happy at Kentucky? I don't know. I think this guy is a head coach at a major school in the next five years. Who that is, where that is, I do not know. But I think with the defensive mind he brings to the table, um, I think the offense is very stale. You know, that could be coordinator, but that's his hire. Um, but he's a winner. I mean, you turn Kentucky into a team that and a fan base that expects eight plus, nine plus, maybe ten wins this year is what the expectation was. Um, he's got a quarterback that is projected to be number one or two or three off the board in the draft this year. Um, that just can't that seems to me like a very safe, decent name hire that I would be looking at. Um, second would be Matt Rule. It's to me, it's not the sexiest. Uh, did really well at Baylor, got the the bump up to the Carolina Panthers. We've talked about him at Carolina in previous shows. Didn't really get the fairest of shakes, you know, to be blunt, shitty quarterback situation with a hurt Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Now P.J. Walker was the guy this year. They've let him go. Um, I think it's just more based on the fact that he's a hot name in the coaching community. I don't think it would cost too much to get him. The question for me there, the real first one would be how would he recruit down here? Um, but he's proven he can coach at the big-time level. He had Baylor um, churning for a little while, a couple of Sugar Bowl appearances. Uh, moving into Tier 3, and this would just be names to me that stick out in my mind that would maybe potentially two don't have jobs, one is currently coaching. The one who's currently coaching, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. You know, if you rewind to last year, he was the hottest name on the market. Um, you know, We've hired a guy from Iowa State before at Auburn, and it, you know, I guess it won a natty, or was that Cam Newton? But um, to me, it's a safe bet, not the sexiest splash hire. Recruiting to me would be a question. He's never really had a powerhouse at Iowa State, but he's won there, and that isn't an easy school to consistently win at. I don't think anybody would necessarily be pissed if that was the hire. The two names that uh, aren't popular in my group me chatter boxes that I keep throwing out, one, Will Muschamp. One guy told me um, he's a great candidate for a coordinator um, defensive. I just don't see Will – I mean, maybe because he's been out for a minute, he want to go to a big school as a coordinator and work his way up. We've already done what that with him at 2015 and 2016 at Auburn, and he did really well as a coordinator. You know, he didn't have the best players, you know, necessarily uh, that we've had on defense over the last 10 years, but he did a good job. But something about him just intrigues me. Um, he's just an SEC guy. He's been around, you know, Auburn. He's at Georgia now as an analyst. He was the head coach at Florida. He was the head coach at South Carolina. I believe he had a stint at LSU. Um, it wouldn't be that expensive, and I think he recruits really well. I just don't know 
longevity-wise if he would be the guy. And the one sneak name, it's not really sneaky, but he's a commentator right now, is Dan Mullins. Um, a lot of people told me absolutely not with the whole Cam Newton and Florida and Mississippi State crap that happened. But, I mean, guys, that was 14 years ago. My opinion, let that shit go and let's go get a winner. Dan Mullins is a winner. Now, the problem with him is he said he didn't really enjoy the recruiting aspects of college football. That kind of led everyone to believe that he was going to go to the NFL. Um, who knows? You know, that to me is a decent list. You know, that's eight names. Maybe add Dave Aranda to that at Baylor. That's maybe a reach, but that'd be a guy that I'd at least go interview. Um, so eight, nine, ten names to consider. Like I said, Lane would be my number one choice. Dion, then Hugh Freeze. It's probably probably T2 with Dion and Hugh. Um, you know, uh, time will tell. The, the uh, Auburn basketball season has started, so maybe that's going to quiet things down for the fan base. But everybody is chirping for a head coach right now. Um, sliding over to baseball, the Houston Astros are your World Series champions. To me, this was a great series. Uh, went six games. Um, Philly steals the first one in Houston. That was a crazy game. Houston gets up five. Verlander's on the mound. You're thinking, this is over. Um, and then Philly storms back and gets the win. And it looked to me, when that game ended, I said, I just don't see how Houston can win this series. It just seems like Philly's had momentum since the playoffs started. And that was Houston's first loss in the playoffs when that game happened. Houston takes game two. Pretty high, you know, pretty easily handily. Philly, we get the first game in Philly in a long time in a World Series. They get the win, and then Houston runs out three straight. Obviously, at the, as the series ended, you could tell the bats were really quieting for Philly, but kudos to the Houston Astros. Um, everyone hates them for the cheating thing. It doesn't really bother me. I don't you know, really – it's not that I don't care about baseball. I'm just not as passionate about baseball, so I just like celebrating good teams. It was nice to see Verlander get him a title. There's some really – Really good lineup uh, watching Houston play. That one through six spot in Houston was just like murderer's row um, every time they came up to bat. College basketball is officially underway. My probably second favorite sport, um, maybe T2 with some golf, but this is going to be a crazy year. The AP polls out, UNC one, Zags two, Houston three, Kentucky four, Kansas five, Baylor, Duke, UCLA, Creighton, Arkansas, Tennessee's at eleven. Auburn at 15 and Bama at 20. Um, this is going to be a heater of a season. You know how basketball rankings always go. This shit just shapes up, you know, like every week there's two law, you know, the number one team loses and then the number two team loses twice. It's not like football where like one loss is like this major news, you know, story. The, uh, the interesting games were Monday for me were Auburn, George Mason. Auburn went out and handled business at home. George Mason always a sneaky, um, you know, smaller tier school that sneaks into the tournament frequently. Um, Vandy, Memphis went at it. Probably the biggest game on the slate, in my opinion. Um, and Memphis comes away with a win. Auburn and Memphis will meet in December. That should be a heater of a ball game. Um, and then Bama played Longwood on Monday. I don't know too much about Longwood. I've never really seen them on the national scale as far as tourney goes. I believe I, they were in it a couple years ago, but Bama looked really good. Brandon Miller is a player. Auburn's got Johan Trejorje, and Bama's got Brandon Miller, the two both freshman phenoms. Just staring at it out the gate, Auburn looks deep, uh, nine to ten guys deep, and Chance Westry isn't out on the court yet, so you're definitely stacking them at nine, ten deep. Um, they look like the same as last year. KD and Wendell are jacking up shots. Flanagan looks silent. Now, it's only week, game one, so you want to see this unfold. But Auburn's going to look like they're going to they're gonna be strong and have a, several lineups they can throw at you. Bama's without Quinterly, 
till he gets back, I don't think we'll really be able to see the full Bama. But what you do like out of them is Badaiko looks to be a little more, I don't know, intimidating with his presence. Um, this Sears kid, he transferred from Ohio, starting at point guard. Didn't have a great shooting night for Bama on night one, but he looks kind of like Wendell, like he's going to do some electric shit out there. And then obviously Brandon Miller. I think it all goes around Quinterly and Miller for Bama. They've got pieces. Uh, Gurley from Furman will be experienced. Um, you know, there's going to be um, there's going to be some. Two heated ball games between Auburn and Bama. I honestly, if I'm predicting it now, I think they split. Bama wins at Bama. Auburn wins at Auburn. Auburn swept last year, so I think Bama's going to be really hungry to go out and prove. You know, and then you've got Friday night coming up. There's some decent games. Uh, Auburn, uh, Auburn gets South Florida. Bama gets Liberty. Those will be the two, you know, in-state games. And then the biggest game of the day will be Michigan State-Gonzaga. Gonzaga obviously will be favored in this by how much we don't know. The line is not out yet. Um but, you know, it's always that Tom Izzo, Mark Few, this is just what they want you to have for the first week, at least one game. Next week it starts to heat up a little bit. We're going to get a couple of those little tourneys that they do. I believe Barstool Classics coming up. And, you know, I think uh, I think we're in for a doozy of a year. I just I can't see a world where this college basketball season is going to be disappointing. The SEC looks to be loaded. Big Ten back at it loaded. I think the ACC is going to be a little better than people think. John Shire for Duke made his first uh, head coaching appearance for the Blue Devils. Looks like a mini Coach K out there. We'll see how well that works. UNC struggled pretty pretty bad in the first half against Wilmington and then pulled away. Um, but they are undoubtedly the odds-on favorite to take the title this year. Made it to the final last year and then, you know, return everybody. They're going to be strong. We'll see if it works out. I got a sneak feeling about Houston as well. Um, when we come back, we're talking college football. We're going to recap week 10 and preview week 11. Um, as far as the gambling goes, it's been pretty steady. Um Last week, profitable week. Last week was actually the one-year anniversary of proper picks, so that was great. Um, you know, just to be able to say we've we've been at it a year. Um, it's been a grind, man. If I learned anything about gambling every day, you know, it's tough. It's tough living. It's probably one of the hardest professions to be consistently profitable at in the world. Um, I had somebody tell me that when I got into it. They're like, buckle up because this shit ain't easy. And it's not. The all-time record right now, we're up 54.59 units. For me, that's $5,459 as a $100 better. You can do the math, you know, whatever your unit structure is. It was a solid year. I mean, PGA, we did really well. Um, college football has been consistent, you know, with for us. NBA's made us some shekels. MLB, we finished the season up. Uh, not very much, but at least up. And then the struggle sports, um, NHL just revved back up. Um, lifetime, we're down four and a half units. College basketball, uh, 168, 167, and five, uh, minus 10.38 units. The NFL, though, is the striking one to me. It's been our worst sport. Um, for last season and this season, we're down 17 units. So, you know, it's just this grind. People, you know, buddies come to me, they're like, you know, I, I post plays on TikTok, on Twitter, on YouTube, and they're like, Hey man, proper picture really let me down last night. Great job, asshole. And I'm like, damn, dude. Like, I appreciate the honesty. And yes, we went one and two last night. Lost, you know, whatever, one point five five units. And I'm like, but did you take the whole slate? What did you take? Did you have you have you been consistently taking plays? Are you taking all the plays? You know, and I I pull the phone out. You know, you can go to this action app for tracking the plays and be like, look, this is the record. I imagine, you know, 
you'd be happy with that if you were taking every play. So it's tough because people might not have the role to bet every day like we do and or have the want and need to do it. You know, um, some people just are weekend betters. And if you catch me on a weekend where we do really well, you're probably happy. If you catch me on a weekend where we lose, you know, a couple hundred bucks, it's obviously leaves a sour taste in your mouth. But just trying to build consistency. I've been so much better you know, basically starting at Labor Day with college football about laying off parlays and teasers. Um, the teasers I'm giving more this year are two games, six point moves, which to me are a little more, I wouldn't say easier to hit, but they're just a little more pro-ish, uh, sharper with the action. It's so easy just to take a four game, 13 point teaser because my God, how could this miss? But those, that's how it misses. You know, it's just, it is what it is. And then parlays have been very seldom this year, and I'm very happy to say that I've had a little more control there. Last year I'm just firing away. Um, basketball coming up around the corner should be great. Um, you know, I'm trying my best. Hold it down to two-game parlays at at the max. Um, three and fours to me. I mean, even twos can be a sucker play, but, you know, sometimes you're going to find a little value there. But overall, it's been a really fun year. I've really enjoyed doing it. We've got some merch out um, now that, you know, I'm pretty much just handing out to people. I want people rocking the gear. We've got hoodies, tees, huggers, coffee mugs, phone cases. Um, I don't even know what else we got laying around here. I mean, it's, uh, you know, looking for some hats. I don't know what kind. I'm looking for those rope hats right now. But, yeah, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's kind of becoming a huge hobby for me, if you will. I play a lot of poker as well. So, um, But, yeah, when we come back, we're talking college football. Make sure to follow me at the Proper Picks Pod on Twitter, and we'll be back shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, the Proper Picks Podcast is back. We are recapping college football week 10 and previewing the week slate for week 11. Last week was Heaterville. Some upsets, a lot of big matchups. Um, teams kind of footing their position into the playoff picture. Um, nothing crazy to speak on for, you know, the Tuesday through third, Friday slate. Oregon State did get upset by Washington. That was a big win for them. Um, but moving into the big day was Saturday. It was a monster. Tennessee plays Georgia. I mean, we'll just open up with the biggest game here. Georgia dominated 27-13. Tennessee fans are going to tell you they didn't dominate, but that was pure domination. To me, that Georgia team looked like Alabama of the past. They won strictly on defense, dominating the ground game. And they pretty much held Hendon Hooker in check. I mean, Stetson Bennett outpassed Hendon Hooker. I think that was a game for Hooker. If you're a legitimate, going to be, you know, put yourself on the Heisman, that was his moment. You go into a rowdy environment against basically the best team in the country other than yourself and a couple other teams and go put on a show. And they just didn't do it. I think uh, Georgia's defense is just ridiculous. Um, how you're not saying they're the best team in the country right now, you know, their tests so far have been Tennessee and Oregon. That's the number one in eight teams in the country last week, and they handled them both. So um, I think teams match up well against Georgia in certain areas, but they, to me, are the odds-on favor right now, and that's not like a stretch by anyone. Ohio State plays a sloppy game, bad, bad weather. They win 21-7. to um, I don't know. I think uh, – 
Northwestern just a weird team, you know, on the road, 11 a.m. game, shitty weather. I'm not going to hold it too much against Ohio State. They've got a big one looming against Michigan. Uh, Clemson, I think they just frauded us um, with the schedule. They play at Notre Dame and lose 35-14. to Dabo's press conference after the game, pretty telling. He just pretty much said after the block punt, uh, that went for a score early in the game. They lost momentum, and they can never get it back. They threw a pick six, and they threw an interception on their own five-yard line. I mean, they really did offensively hand Notre Dame the game, which is, I wouldn't say not typical of this Ugalele kid, but he he's just not the guy. Um, he is, in the nicest ways I can say it, was, is just a huge bust. Um, came in. Highly touted five-star, sitting behind Trevor Lawrence. You know, they've had a slew of quarterbacks at Clemson. It was just obvious he was going to be the next guy. He came in as a freshman when Lawrence got hurt and played really well um, in his absence. So all signs pointed last year that he was going to be great. Heisman front runner, bust. And then this year he just doesn't – it just doesn't have it. I just don't see how this guy's going to, you know, make it to the NFL um, if he can't survive in the freaking ACC. I think Clemson's schedule is set up so easy for them. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Wake and NC State and these teams they play aren't good football teams, but it's just not a gauntlet of a schedule. And to lose by 21 as the fourth-ranked team in the country, um, I mean, I guess Clemson can win out and win the ACC and they would be there, but if Clemson makes the playoff, it's strictly upon the pass. It has nothing to do with this year's team. They should have lost that game to Syracuse a couple weeks ago as well, so they would be out. Now they got the win, so it doesn't matter, but that was, you know, is what it is. Michigan beats Rutgers 52 to 17. No real surprise there. Ugly early. Michigan pulls away late. Um, Michigan ground game is really strong. I think if, you know, Michigan Georgia might actually be a decent ball game. Maybe not. I don't know. Georgia's D might shut that down, but uh, two similar teams there. Bama, we've already discussed, loses to LSU in overtime. Crazy game down in Baton Rouge. I think we've heard that before. Bryce Young did go for 328. It just wasn't enough. Um, very courageous play call out of Brian Kelly going for two in overtime. I mean, he gets it. He looks like the hero. He misses it. Fan base is going to be pissed. I don't think if they missed it, everyone would have been like, worst decision ever, because I think the book pretty much was telling him to go for it. Um, but, yes, huge win for TCU. You know, it's funny. Before the season started, I was, you know, everyone makes predictions, and some are right, some are wrong. But, you know, it's funny. I said we were talking to some buddies, and they're all high on Billy Napier at Florida. They said that was the best offseason acquisition. And I said, I don't see how we're not talking about Brian Kelly. I said, I think most of the, most of y'all just don't want to talk about him because you just don't like him and his image. And I get that. The dude's a goober, um, faking accents, and he's just never really been like a super likable guy by, you know, the, you know, the, the fans and the media. But, you know, I said the dude's a winner. He won at Notre Dame, which, you know, isn't the easiest place to win just because of expectations, and they don't have – you know, they do usually play a pretty solid schedule. But, I mean, the dude's now got him up to number seven in the country in his first season with a pretty much like hodgepodge of team that he didn't build. I mean, give this guy a couple years to recruit, and we all know if someone recruits well at LSU, they can be fire. Um, they don't have an in-state rival to recruit against. I mean, they're recruiting against Ole Miss, Bama, Georgia, Texas. I mean, they're recruiting against these teams, but they get all the local kids out of Louisiana. It's rare when a kid from that area goes somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's the coach of the year in the SEC right now, in my opinion. I mean, I guess you could say Heupel or Kirby, too, but I'm thinking about – probably give it to Heupel, but to me, Kelly's 
the second. You know, the expectation was not good for LSU this year. And after losing to Florida State week one, I mean, imagine if they steal that one. You've got LSU right up there at number four or five. Um, TCU, I wouldn't say survives, but that game was a lot closer than 34-24 against Texas Tech. Um, they move into the four spot now. They're just going to be doubted every week going forward. They're currently a seven-point dog to Texas. So, you know, it, it's going to be a good ball game there. Oregon at Colorado, no shocker there. They roll. USC survives Cal. UCLA in a shootout with Arizona State gets the win there. Texas uh, wins by a touchdown over a solid Kansas State team. Big win for Texas on the road there. Um, Adrian Martinez from Kansas State went for 329. Um, if that shows you anything about Texas's D, that could be scary for that TCU offense coming into town this weekend. Utah just keeps doing what Utah does, 45-20 to 20 over Arizona. They, they're probably looking back. Very banged-up Utah team this year. Um, you can't really predict that kind of stuff but they have been hurt all year in key positions um but they you know they get keep moving i believe they're up to number 11 right now penn state beats indiana 45 to 14 sean clifford for 229 yards through the air penn state just you know they just need to get over the hump this isn't their year obviously um but they've just been steady. Illinois loses to Michigan State in a shocker. You knew it was going to happen here soon. Um, but Bielman's doing nice things up there in Champaign. Uh, UNC survives a very poor Virginia team. Um, I think UNC is a little bit of a fraud there at 17. Oklahoma State, huge fraud. Uh, how they're ranked 18th after losing by 40 to Kansas State. And then, you know, they get to redeem themselves and get waxed by Kansas. Get these guys out of the top 25. They're trash. Um, just another one a team that's there because of their name. Tulane eight and one, sneaking up on people. They beat Tulsa twenty-seven to thirteen, and they get a monster matchup against Central Florida this weekend. Syracuse loses to Pitt. We were on that game. We had Pitt plus the three. Nice little scoop and score there. Syracuse is just banged up. They're a good football team. Schrader is a solid quarterback. The running back has disappeared wherever the hell he went. Um, but they're just falling apart. Tough schedule for them. I believe they're just back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks against big teams. I think it was like Clemson, Clemson, Wake, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh in a row. That's just not – it's tough for them. Uh, NC State, I wouldn't say upsets, but upsets. Wake Forest, small favorite there. Sam Hartman just falling apart. I mean, the dude almost had 400 yards passing. I'm saying he's falling apart. He's just throwing shitty balls. They're having to come from behind. 200 of those yards that he had are just because they're down. Um, disappointing. We were on the Wake Forest side this week. Uh, UCF beats Memphis. They have climbed into the top 25. Other notables, Florida just goes into Kyle Field and a and I mean, it just looks like a give up. Uh, they've got Auburn this weekend, and it's weird because you'd think Auburn sucks. A&M is obviously looking shitty, but they've got all the players. And they've got Auburn as a two-point favorite in this one. I think um, this one's that game's going to be very interesting to see if Texas A&M just doesn't care. I think the expectation level was so high that this has just deflated them. Auburn, you know, I don't think it's as deflating because they just don't have any expectation. Uh, they were supposed to be terrible. They are terrible. They fire their coach. They got an ex-player in Cadillac. That's going to be a ball game, um, one that no one cares about <laughs> unless you're in the fan base of one of those two teams. But. Um, nonetheless, Florida goes in and gets a win. Our big bet of the week was Kentucky minus one against Missouri. This was a weird ball game. 21 to 17, Kentucky gets the win. A crazy punt situation at the end of the game where the ball goes over the Kentucky punter head on about the 40-yard line. This thing rolls all the way down to the 10. Now, mind you, they're up four. This would have given 
Missouri the ball on like the five yard line with a minute left. But somehow the Kentucky punter fields it and gets a weird looking kickoff. And the Missouri dude just tackles the punter and they throw the 15 yard flag for rough and the kicker, the kickers, you know, flailing around on the ground, like a soccer player. Um, and Kentucky survives. The thing about this game that was frustrating for us was that this shouldn't even have been close. Kentucky misses two field goals early. They go for two fourth downs in not so great spots and don't get it. They should have just pulled away, but they let Mizzou hang around. Thank the Lord they get the W there, but they made it a lot closer than they should have. Um, that's pretty much all your notables for the week. I mean, one thing that we haven't said yet, congrats. Well, we talked about it in the intro, but congrats to Liberty. They go to Arkansas and get the win. K.J. Jefferson looked banged up. There's notes after the game saying he was banged up. Um, I just don't know, like, what the actual scenario was. But big win for Liberty um, to go get a Power 5 win like that, and that just shows you what Hugh Freeze can do. South Alabama, they're continuing to play well. They win against Georgia Southern 38-21. That's the local team here. Um, and Florida State. Over Miami, 45-3. to That was just an uh, unexpected one, I guess. I don't know. I think both teams aren't that good, but that's a rival game that's usually close. Um, and we'll end with Auburn-Mississippi State. 39-33, Mississippi State gets the win in overtime. Will Rogers throws for 357. Auburn's uh, quarterback, Robbie Ashford, played well, rushed for 108 yards. Um, this was just a weird game. Mississippi State jumps out to a big lead. Auburn looked like what they had been doing for the previous 10 weeks, which is running up the middle, keep the ball out of Ashford's hand or, or whoever's at quarterback. Don't let him make mistakes. The other team's going to stop you because it's very predictable. They've got a decent offense. They score some points. Now you're too far behind. But what was crazy is Auburn took the lead in this ball game in the fourth quarter. They outscored Mississippi State 27-9 in the second half. Uh, Mike Leach is folding up chairs in the third quarter because he s- sees his players sitting down. Um, and he wanted them to stand. That was funny. Um, but Mississippi State just had a little too much in the tank. Offensively, Auburn, where it, where they weren't porous, they just didn't really have any flow to them. I think Ashford could be a solid quarterback. He just needs a good O-line, which Auburn does not have. But kudos to Will Rogers. You know, I'm, I'm not doubting the dude for the NFL level, but he stepped up in a big way. And then in overtime, you know, they just pounded one down the middle. Of, you know, it was like a nine-yard touchdown run. Uh, Auburn had on the heels. But, you know, I will say for Cadillac, people were kind of – some were on his side, some weren't on his side. I think he did a good job. I mean, to rebound that thing in a week and go into a pretty rowdy environment against a somewhat rival, I don't know, and have the lead in the fourth quarter when you're down 17 nothing. I think it just showed you that his energy and he has the players believing. It was nice to see because it was one game this year I was actually kind of – in enthusiastic, I guess, would be the word about seeing how they'd come out. It was deflating in the first quarter, but really proud of the guys in the second half. So, you know, whatever, moral victory, I suppose. Um, And we will slide into week 11. It's actually already underway now that we're running games out on Tuesday. Um, You know, nothing uh, too exciting usually on these Tuesday games. It is MAC football. I think Eastern Michigan beats Akron. Ohio beat Miami of Ohio and Toledo beat Ball State. Tonight, we've got Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Buffalo, Central Michigan, and Kent State Bowling Green. This is Maction football. There's money to be made. Um, you just got to lean the right way on these games because they're so close all the time. I mean, if you look at, you know, I don't know, the, the three yesterday, two were one-score ball games, So, it's tricky. I'm thinking um, Friday is your best game, East Carolina, Cincy. That looks to be the best game of the Tuesday to Friday slate. That's going to be in Cincy. Cincy's, you know, obviously 
turning themselves into a little powerhouse. Um, Colorado USC, uh, not going to be a good game, but we have a play on that one. That'll be in the best bet segment for you at the end of the show. Uh, moving into Saturday, Ohio State, Indiana, blowout. Tennessee, Missouri, this should be a great bounce back spot for Tennessee. I think Missouri, while playing well, is just going to run into a buzzsaw here because Tennessee now is on the outside looking in and needs style points. I think you're looking at a massive blowout here. Missouri's hung in with everybody, which would be the only reason why maybe you wouldn't want to take this big of a spread. I believe it's at 20 right now. But I think Tennessee's going to be highly motivated. Missouri's defense isn't bad. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that could get ugly. Number seven, LSU travels to Arkansas. Now you've got LSU coming off a win against Bama. Arkansas coming off a ugly, probably the worst program L in years, to Liberty. And LSU's only a three-point favorite. So, as Vegas always does, they put that number out there, and the whole world will be on LSU. I'm not saying what side I'm on, but in these spots, it is typically best to back the home dog here. This is a rival game. Um, the only issue I see it being it's an 11 a.m. game, which means who comes out slow. Somebody's coming out slow in this gate, and it would just it would make me feel like it's going to be LSU. It's a hangover thing, really. You just beat your biggest rival and the biggest program win since the Natty two years ago, three years ago. Um, it just sets up to me that Vegas knows what they're doing and all the money is going to be on LSU. This line, by everyone, if you ask any person off the street, they'd say, oh, she's a 10-point favorite. No, three-point favorite. Um, Notre Dame will bounce back um, after a big win. Well, not bounce back, but they will uh, you know, try to continue the run against Navy, 17-point line. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Navy. Um, because of the Clemson hangover for Notre Dame. It's the same thing, um, kind of as the LSU game. Illinois, Purdue, Kentucky, Vandy, gross. Um, West Virginia, Oklahoma, now that's an interesting one. You got Oklahoma minus eight and a half, and West Virginia's lost three games in a row. And West Virginia plays Oklahoma strong the last two years. That game might be closer than the odds makers predict. Liberty at UConn. Um, don't be surprised if UConn hangs around in this ballgame uh, way better than they've been, can actually get to a bowl game this season if they win. Don't think this is the week they get to the bowl game, but don't be surprised if that 14-and-a-half looks like too many points when it comes down to the end. Keep in mind, Liberty's coming off a massive win um, you know, against an SEC program, and then they get to turn around and play UConn. Don't know if the motivation is going to be all the way there. I think Hugh Freeze will have them up, though. Michigan State, Rutgers, gross. Um, let's look at it here. We've got Michigan, Nebraska, 28-and-a-half point favorite for Michigan. I mean, that by all accounts, Michigan should roll here. Alabama at Ole Miss, probably the game of the week, uh, you know, especially down here where we are. Um, maybe you're talking TCU, Texas later down the slate. But Alabama 9, Ole Miss 11. It's in Oxford, 230 CBS. How does Bama respond? Kiffin's probably foaming at the mouth for this one. He could honestly – this could be an interview for him, you know, if he goes out and has a good game against Bama. Something tells me, though, that this might get ugly. I think Ole Miss's defense is trash. I think Ole Miss is so effective on offense that it kind of masks the defense sometimes. Um, ah, man, that's a tough 12 and a half. I'd lean Bama. I just think, you know. I don't believe Nick and the boys give up. I think there's an outside, outside chance you could still get in. Things would have to go crazy at the top. They know that. And I don't think they're just going to lay down and die here. Um, the question to me, will Ole Miss be able to move the ball on the ground effectively against Alabama? Because that's what they do. This 
dart kid ain't throwing on Alabama. If he throws on Bama, the secondary, they've just given up at Bama if that's the case. But you got Will Anderson. You got a badass linebacker core. I just can't see a world where Ole Miss is that effective on the ground. Um, I lean Bama there. Louisville, Clemson, who knows at this point. Will Clemson show up? Louisville is probably foaming as well to get to get this game underway. Maryland at Penn State. Penn State should roll. Boston College at NC State. Ugh, boring, gross. Don't even want to talk about it. Central Florida, Tulane, 22-17. You've got Gus Malzahn going to play the 8-1 and green wave. That's going to be a ball game. I believe Tulane's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I kind of lean UCF here. I think more experience more experienced coach, team that's been there a little more. Tulane's been quietly really good, but this is kind of that setup where usually you see the Cinderella story die. But who knows? Probably a game we won't touch. It's going to be in New Orleans. Big week for the AAC um, in that regard. You've got Wisconsin, Iowa. That's a game that I'm heavily leaning Wisconsin. I think, you know, um, we might be having that as a best bets conversation. Um, but who knows? You got two teams that don't score at a high clip and two well defensive teams. You know, everybody's going to say bet the under. I think it's 38. So, you know, probably a 14 10 type ball game if I had to imagine. Um, we've got South Carolina, Florida. I think Florida looked really good against Texas AM. I think they were also extremely beneficial of the fact that AM has people hurt, sick, and suspended. But nonetheless, they get the win. South Carolina's kind of been a mystery team for me, and I've tried to stay away from their games because they're so damn hard to predict. This team just doesn't set up well for, for me for South Carolina going into Florida. Um, but who knows? Probably closer than the odds maker predicts at eight. This will probably come down to a one possession ball game if I had to imagine. You've got Georgia at Mississippi State. Sneak game here um, because Mississippi State throws the ball 60 times a game. I just don't think that sets up well against Georgia. Watching Mississippi State against Auburn last week, um, I have no faith that Mississippi State can keep this game close. Now, my issue is hangover again for Georgia. They just played game days there. They have the biggest win of the year probably in college football, beat number one Tennessee. What do they look like at 6 p.m. at Davis Wade Stadium when the cowbells are swinging? You know, who knows at this point? I just think Georgia is too good for Mississippi State. Let's just call it that. Washington at Oregon. This is interesting. Washington's so sneaky, too. They're like South Carolina. You just never know what you're going to get. Oregon has proven it. Bo Nix has looked fire as much as I hate to say it. It ain't that hard to look fire, though, in the Pac-12. I'm not trying to knock the guy, but it's true. 6 p.m. night game in Eugene. Give me Oregon. Kansas State at Baylor. Uh, this game's always a heater. Baylor's a small favorite here, but I lean Kansas State personally. Kansas at Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas, you would assume, is the favorite here. No, no, no. Texas Tech minus four. So how do you have a, you know, Winning record, best season ever for Kansas going to a Texas Tech team that has struggled, and Texas Tech's the favorite. There's Vegas for you. And this game is actually in the Cowboys stadium. So who knows? It's not. It's a neutral environment. Uh, Wyoming at Colorado State. We'll talk about that one in the best bets. No one's talking about that game, I promise you, but we will be. TCU number four versus Texas. Probably, if you're not talking, Bama Ole Miss, this is your game of the week. You've got a playoff team versus a national brand in Texas. The game's in Texas. It's going to be rocking. 6.30 night game. I think this is a shootout. I'm calling 52-48 double OT, 52-48 single OT, Maybe 48-45 in regulation. No defense. 
Texas has none. So if TCU comes out and does what they've been doing, it's going to be a shootout. Now, for some reason, the lights are too bright for TCU in this moment. Texas seven-point favor here. Maybe they, they cover, but the squarest dog of the year, TCU plus seven, I'm going to take them. Um, I'm going to lean with them at least. They're not on my best bets yet. North Carolina at Wake Forest. Big game for North Carolina because you got a Wake Forest team that is on a torrential slide here. But that's usually a scary team when the quarterback is as good as Sam Hartman is. He's just played so shitty the last two weeks. We talked a little Texas A&M-Auburn already. This game um, means nothing to no one outside of these two fan bases. But I'm going to be honest. I think Auburn people are more optimistic in this game than A&M, which is crazy. I would say if you look back like a month ago where the fan bases were, A&M had just hung in with Bama, and Auburn was just getting blitzed by Penn State. And now you've got a scenario where Auburn's the favorite here. I don't like it. If I had to lean, I'd lean A&M plus the two. I just have no faith Auburn can close out a ball game. But maybe this is the week where they get the win. Um, Florida State at Syracuse. Florida State finally climbing in the top 25. Syracuse struggling. Give me Florida State here. Utah, Stanford. I look for Utah to roll in this one. UCLA, Arizona, expect the same. And then you've got your typical guys at night, uh, late in the night at least. Boise, Nevada, San Jose, San Jose. San Diego State, Utah State, and Hawaii. We will have our eyes on that San Diego State ball game. And that is your preview for this week in college football. Try to keep it as brief as I could. There are so many damn games. Hope everybody's having a great day. Make sure you're betting proper. Anything else will be uncivilized. You can follow me at the Proper Picks Pod on Twitter and TikTok, where we're releasing best bets and our full cards out on Twitter. And we'll be back shortly to talk a little NFL. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, back with the Proper Picks Podcast. We're talking NFL. Quickly, we're going to run over the standings here as this thing's getting pretty much at the midpoint. Um, of the season for the NFL. Playoff pictures are becoming a little clear. Let's talk AFC East. Wow. All four teams with a winning record. Guess who's in last place in the East of the AFC? The New England Patriots. Life without Tom Brady, not so easy. You got the Buffalo Bills at 6-2, and two, New York Jets at 6-3, and three, the Miami Dolphins at 6-3, and three, and then the Patriots at 5-4. and four. One of the better divisions in, uh, you know, on paper, if you're looking at records. I still think the Jets are a fraud, but they're Surprising me every week. Huge win against Buffalo last week. But that's going to be – this thing's going to come down to a heater. You you get on a little bad slide here in that conference, and the Bills could uh, shock the world here. And news coming out of Buffalo that Allen is possibly hurt and maybe out for a while. That could be devastating. The Ravens and Bengals have a firm grip on the AFC North. Six and three Baltimore, five and four Cincinnati. I think uh, – Baltimore, well, no, Baltimore wins the first matchup in Baltimore. I think this Cincinnati-Baltimore game in a couple weeks in Cincy pretty much decides Cincy's fate. I don't think you can lose that game and win the division. Now, you could still, you know, they're in a decent spot for the wild card. Um, but the Cleveland Browns at 3-5 and five and the Steelers at 2-6 and six to me are essentially out. Cleveland has an outside chance, but they're going to Miami this weekend. That doesn't look good for them either. Um, we do have under seven and a half wins prop bet on the Steelers for a future play that is looking 
tasty treats right now. Um, we'll see. Uh, AFC South, Titans have the lead. Not even close there. The Colts, Jags, and Texans are what we thought they were. All terrible. I guess we did expect the Colts to be a little bit better, but not with uh, Sam Ellinger at quarterback. Uh, we do have a prop bet on the Jags under six wins, and this thing should be close. Uh, three and six. They're going to have matchups with some of the more of these shitty teams. We'll see. We're going to be pulling against the Jags every week going forward, obviously. Moving to the AFC West, which most predicted this to be the best division in football with the Chiefs, the Chargers, Russell Wilson with the Broncos, and the Raiders. The Raiders and the Broncos have extremely disappointed. Chargers are somehow 5-3. and three. They've played probably some of the ugliest football out of anyone in the NFL that is 5-3, and three, you know, to date. Kansas City 6-2. and two doing what everyone expected. Um, I think everyone still fully expects Bills, Chiefs for the AFC title. We've got the Chiefs on a Super Bowl bet at 10-1. to 1. Would love to see them at least get to the AFC title, so we've got an opportunity to maybe hedge a little money there. Um, but who knows? I mean, that division will be up for grabs with Kansas City and the Chargers. Maybe the Broncos make a run. Uh, moving into NFC, it's been an ugly year, but same deal with the East and the AFC. How about the NFC lease, which is now the NFC beast? The Philly Eagles at 8-0, the Cowboys at 6-2, and the Giants at 6-2, and and the Commanders at 4-5. and Unfortunately for the Commanders, they're, they're playing decent football, but it's just not enough right now in this division. Um, we'll see. I honestly, and I am a Cowboys guy, but I honestly believe Philly and Dallas are a tier above the Giants. You saw... The Cowboys beat the Giants with Cooper Rush. Um, I think this is going to be, you know, some heavy football coming down the stretch. The Eagles will slip. I uh, don't believe they're an undefeated team. The schedule has set up very easy for them so far, and it really isn't that difficult on the back end. But you do go to Dallas. Um, if you slip once more, maybe twice more, uh, who knows? Dallas has a decent schedule, though, so I think feel like right now with a two-game advantage, the Eagles are pretty safe to win the East, and the Cowboys and Giants have definitely, you know, they're the tops of the wild card right now, so they're sitting in good spots. The NFC North, this is ugly, and it's so great because I told somebody before the season, I said, Vikings are going to win this division. They said, no Packers, as usual. I said, I just think it's a year where there's too much against Aaron Rodgers, and right now we look pretty genius on that one. Uh, seven and one Vikings, three and six Packers, three and six Bears, two and six Lions. I swear the Lions are better than two and six. They just can't seem to win ball games. Um, the Bears aren't that bad either, but neither team's going to the playoffs. And the Packers would literally need to win out, in my opinion. They're going to need to go on a five, six game win streak. And they got the Cowboys, which I think they can win that game this weekend, but they just need to, they need a massive turnaround. I think this is a year where. If you're the Packers, it might be time to start tanking and scoop you up a nice little draft pick or two. Um, I expect them to make major moves in the offseason. If you want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy and have him stay, I just can't imagine a world where you do nothing. Um, or maybe it's time to pass the torch to Jordan Love. Who knows? NFC South, worst division in football, in my opinion. If you're not, uh, maybe maybe the AFC South. Um, but the NFC South, Bucks at four and five, Falcons at four and five, Saints at three and six, Panthers at two and seven. Um, I don't think any of these teams deserve to make the playoffs, but the Bucks will probably get in. Um, they have the best shot, in my opinion, out of anybody with a losing record right now to go deep in the playoffs, only strictly because their defense is very strong. They seem to ratchet up the run game when they want to. And, you know, that guy, Tom Brady, if he, if he decides to turn it on. Um, how about the surprise of the year? In my opinion, it is the Seattle Seahawks, 6-3. and three. Geno Smith, 
He's been a fantasy god for me this year. Played really well. Niners at four and four. Rams at three and five. Cardinals at three and six. I'm shocked by the Rams and Cardinals. Um, probably more shocked by the Cardinals. Um, this is just such a tough division, though. If Seattle's playing well and doing well, makes that division just a monster. Who knows at this point? I think the Niners have a sneaky chance to climb up here. I just don't see the Rams aren't playing good football. Defense is solid. I mean, they held they held the Bucks to 15 points and lost. Cardinals are a shit show. They're kind of like the Raiders. They, if they played every week, that'd be entertaining football. Who knows? Right now, if I'm making odds on predictions, I've got Bills KC in the AFC, and I'm going to say Vikings-Eagles for the NFC right now, which makes for great football. Can't go wrong there. Um, recapping a little from last week, we had the Thursday night game. Uh, you know, t- I will say this. Typically, these Thursday night games have been, you know, I want to say boring, but there hasn't been sexy matchups. So when you had Philly come in, as an undefeated team, it put a little allure on the, you know, shitty teams playing. Problem is, they're playing Houston. Um, and the game was a lot closer than people expected or just, you know, it looked like on the score. 29-17, Philly gets the win, rolls to 8-0. Chargers survive Atlanta 20-17. to Like I said, ugly football out of the Chargers, but they're getting the wins they need. Miami survived Chicago 35-22. Justin Fields rushed for 178 yards. Uh, McDaniel over there in, Florida, in Miami was telling him on the sideline at one play when he ran by him, said, please stop scrambling. He was eating them up. Tua goes for 302. He's back, looks healthy. Um, Carolina, just awful. They're, gonna, they're the worst team in football. They will have the number one pick. Cincinnati did what they were supposed to. Very college-like ball game. Um, in the NFL, I always feel like the big favorite against the shitty team, you know, like, I don't know, Buffalo Jets, uh, doesn't really come out and, and just do what they're supposed to. And Cincinnati was on them from the jump. Um, Joe Mixon had a monster game. Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit beats Green Bay 15-9. to Kudos to them. Uh, it's, a, it's a disaster town in Green Bay. You couldn't put up double digits on the Lions? On the Lions? Jesus Christ. Disaster town at Lambeau. And you got Dak Prescott coming. Oh, boy. Um, Indianapolis at New England. New England gets to win 26-3. to This was actually a uh, strat play for us. We took New England minus the five. And I don't think it was a very sexy bet. I actually saw a lot of people, TikTok, Twitter, taking the Colts. But my whole theory on this was, I believe I, it was what I saw, was Bill Belichick was like 80% against the spread when he's playing a rookie quarterback. He just schemes up for these goobers and, like, slices them up, and he did. I mean, no one from uh, New England even played well offensively. They did this thing purely on the defense. Uh, Buffalo just gets shocked by the Jets, lose 20-17. to 17. Just, I don't even know what to say about that one. Congrats to the Jets. Um, great, great season for them. It could end today, and they'd, they'd be very thrilled. Minnesota beats Washington 20-17. to 17. Um Close ball game, expected it to be. We actually had the Vikings minus three. They get the push there. Kirk Cousins has been playing really good football. I'm not saying he's the hottest quarterback in the NFL right now, but they're seven and one and they are primed right now. Vegas, you're terrible. Lose to the Jaguars. Needed that one if uh, we want to hit that Jacksonville under prop bet. And uh, Derek Carr just. It might be time to move on from old Derek Carr. I just don't think the dude's a winner. The dude slings touchdowns, but he's always losing, and they're just slinging the ball around when they're losing. That's not a winner. 
Seattle beats Arizona. We were on that as well. Seattle gets the nice pickup there. Um, we have that in a teaser, plus nine, I believe. Very tasty. Uh, Los Angeles at Tampa. This was a ugly defensive ball game. 16-13 win for Tampa. They needed it. The Rams, I don't know what's going on there. Super Bowl champs having a little bit of a hangover, as people predicted. Tennessee at Kansas City. This was this was a ball game. Uh, the most, One of the most popular bets of the weekend was Kansas City minus 12. I didn't touch it. I hate double-digit spreads. You know, the theory is there is bet the under, which actually hit in overtime. It still hit. But um, Patty Mahomes goes for 446, and they dropped 20. Weird ball game. Derrick Henry had a great game. He pretty much put the team on his back offensively. Really impressed with the Titans' defense, though. Even though they did give up a lot through the air, they just were playing that bend but don't break. I'm not going to give it to you in the red zone. Really uh, confused Mahomes and them down there on the goal line several times. And then we had our big bet Monday night on the Baltimore Ravens against New Orleans. Here's the deal. I'm playing poker uh, with some buddies on Monday night, and you know people were talking about the game. We had it up. And I said, guys, you just have to know one thing. Andy Dalton, primetime football, fade. And he did what he always does. He looked – he just – I don't even know. I don't even insult the guy. He's an NFL quarterback, but he's terrible. And it's freaking Lamar Rodgers. Kenyon Drake had a big day. Um, Isaiah Likely in Mark Andrews' absence looks like he could be a future stud. So Baltimore gets a much-needed win. They win 27-13. to 13. And we'll slide on over to week 10 in the NFL. We've got Atlanta, Carolina in the least sexiest ball game. And guess what, guys? It's on Amazon Prime. It's like what they did, though. I think they just literally looked up a schedule for this Amazon Prime shit and said, how can we get the worst teams attached to this? I believe the over-under is 44. They're saying bet the under in every Thursday night ball game. I can't see. I can't disagree with them on this one. Um, I lean Atlanta there. No official play. Seattle at Tampa. I'm sorry. Seattle, Tampa. This is in Germany. 8.30 in the morning. Um, all signs point that Seattle is the better team here, but something tells me to take Tampa in this ball game. It is not an official play yet, but I will lean Tampa. Minnesota at Buffalo, monster ball game. This game has huge implications, uh, not necessarily for Minnesota, but for Buffalo. Buffalo has to right the ship here. Um, it's at home. If Allen's playing, I lean Buffalo. Kirk Cousins, Kind of like Dalton, you get Cousins in these moments, and this is against a good Buffalo defense. I don't see this going well for Minnesota. Um, I lean towards a small play on Buffalo. Detroit at Chicago, who knows? I mean, coin flip this shit. Uh, divisional matchup. Ugh, God, I don't even know which side I, I can – I mean, if I have a gun to my head right now, I'll say I'll take the Bears. Denver at Tennessee. This thing could be a little defensive battle here in Nashville. Derrick Henry going to get tested against that Denver front. Um, Denver's coming off a bye week. Let's just, you know, let's lean Denver there. Tennessee might surprise us. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Obviously leaning Kansas City here for the win spread. No official play. Um, but I will say the Jags have looked a lot better, but this is not a good spot for the Jags to got to go play a hot Mahomes, um, who wants to, I think if I'm Kansas city right now, the game plan is you're fighting for the one seed with Buffalo who you've taken an L against. So they have the, you know, the tiebreaker, but Kansas city is Kansas city in that stadium. They play very well at home and they know how much a one seed would mean to them for the AFC playoffs, Cleveland at Miami. Uh, we have an official play on this, so I won't really give too many details, but the game is at Miami. you got Brissett versus Tua. Um, 
Should be a good ball game. Houston at New York. You know, New York coming off a bye. I'm waiting for this new real New York team to show up, but so far they're not doing it, and Houston's terrible. So give me New York. New Orleans at Pittsburgh. Um, small favorite for New Orleans against a struggling Pittsburgh team. This is one of those ones where these two teams don't play a whole lot. Uh, they play, you know, a home and away every like nine, ten years or something. Um, God, it's just a tricky one. I I don't want to bet on Andy Dalton, but I certainly don't want to bet on Kenny Pickett. So, gun to my head, I'm taking New Orleans. Indianapolis at Vegas, who knows? I'm going to take Vegas. It's probably a stupid bet, but Sam Ellinger versus Derek Carr, back in Vegas, they're at their home stadium. They need a win like I need a billion dollars. I'm going to go Vegas on that one. Dallas at Green Bay, this is a tricky one. Are the Packers packing it in? No pun there. And Dallas is getting everybody back healthy, but Dallas doesn't travel well. And Dallas doesn't really seem to show up in these games. Now, I will say this little storyline here. Mike McCarthy, ex-Packer coach, ex-Rodgers guy, won a Super Bowl with Rodgers, going back to Green Bay, little sentimental value. Does that play any implication for the Green Bay team? I don't know how many of these players played for McCarthy. Obviously some. But if Dallas is going to be the real deal, they need to go in here and win this game and cover. And I'm going to – I hate to do it. I'm going to lean Dallas minus the five. No official play, but definitely I'm leaning Dallas on the money line. I just don't think Green Bay has enough offense. Dallas's D is so damn good. That, to me, is the deciding factor. I'm not saying they're the number one defense in the NFL, but if you're saying they're not a top three D, you haven't been watching football this year, give me Dallas. Arizona at the Rams. Which struggling team is going to play better? I'm going to say give me the Rams here. Close loss last week. Against Tampa, Arizona struggled last week as well. That's tricky. I'm going to take the Rams. Chargers at San Fran. Give me San Fran all day, every day. Um, No official play yet, but that's where I'm leaning towards if we're going to take that game. Washington at Philly. This game to me might be closer than people think. Monday night football. They always want it to be close on these games. It's the only game in town, the only game people are watching. Philly's undefeated. Washington. If this game was in Washington, I'd be really, really pressing the commanders, but – I'm going to lean Philly for the win, but don't take the spread. That's my call. And that's our uh, preview for week 10 in the NFL. Um, long, long season, and it's unfolding. You know, we're almost at the halfway point. When we come back, it's best bets time. Nice, profitable week last week for us. Um, busy week, too. Uh, when you've got NHL, college football, pro football, NBA all running, and baseball was running last week. I mean, how do we not just have monster slates? Uh-oh, college basketball is now back. The slate's going to get bigger. You know, we're always looking for quality over quantity, um, but there's obviously more potential here for more money to be made if you're doing your numbers and what you're supposed to be doing. So looking forward to another busy week. And when we come back, we will be discussing our best bets for the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The Proper Picks Best Bet segment. It's the money segment. Let's talk dollars. If you have been paying attention, which I don't know if you have been, I mean, the Proper Picks brand is growing at a turtle pace, but we're not going to get 
devastated or anything about that. Um, we're here to make money. We're here to chase the bag, beat the book. Um, if we're not collecting coins, then what the hell are we doing out here? Spending all this time studying games and lines. Um, and we have our one-year anniversary in the books. Last week was the 52nd week of the Proper Picks podcast. I'm excited to say we are up lifetime 55.5 units. That's uh, $5,500 for me as a $100 better. I want to get better at this before I increase my unit size. Don't want to get crazy just because we're, you know, we're doing this podcast and TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and all that. But I'm very, uh, very happy with the first year. Um, it would have been a tougher learning lesson uh, if, say, we were down 55 units. So I know not everybody follows all the plays, and you know it's tough when buddies, uh, buddies tell me, "Hey, proper picks really let me down on Monday," and I'm like, "Well, what'd you bet?" And you know, I gave out let's say three plays. They're like, "Well, I took that, uh, took that Suns game," and I'm like, "Well, that was the third favorite bet of the day. Why don't you take the 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 best bet?" And I'm like, well, I like the Suns too. Okay, well. I didn't let you down then. That means uh, you let yourself down at that point. You didn't follow the script. So um, for the week, last week we went 20, 15, and 3 plus 4.5 units. Pretty solid. Um, we we sweated out a couple. We lost a couple we should have won. It's how it always goes. We pushed some games, uh, three pushes for the week that uh, should have been in our favor, but that's just how it goes. The college football recap was nine and seven minus 0.5 units. That's a $50 L. Um, and really, we were strong across the board. I mean, the L's were games that I just didn't see coming. Wake Forest minus 175 on the money line for two units was a big old L. Um, just surprised there. Can't, uh, can't fathom this is how Wake Forest thought their season would would go, especially knowing that you got Hartman back and he was going to play all year. He just has had a rough two weeks. Clemson, two-unit L, minus three-and-a-half against Notre Dame. And then Chunk on another unit L for the second-half play. So just those three bets alone right there were five units um, that really cut, kept us out of the profit for college football. Some notable wins. We had Kentucky minus one as the bet of the week against Missouri. And like I always do, Wish I'd have put more on it. We've hit the best bet, you know, probably the last four weeks. And um, that was a sweater. I'm not going to lie. The uh, muffed, missed punt, whatever happened at the end of the game, really actually came out to benefit us as they got a roughing the, the punter call as Kentucky's punter somehow managed to get it off after a terrible snap. Uh, but, you know, early in the game, they missed two field goals, went for it on fourth down twice, then didn't get it and gave Missouri great field position. But the Kentucky D played really well. Um, it was nice to see Pittsburgh cover that three and a half against Syracuse. Uh, LSU Bama hit the over in overtime. Illinois Michigan State first half under also smacked. And then that Florida International UT over 61 and a half was uh, a, turned out to be a sweater that had 59 points in the first half. Go figure there. Texas Tech plus nine loses by 10. Um, we did hit two second half bets. Arkansas, who came back and blanked Liberty in the second half and Kansas State as well. Not a bad uh, college football week, but certainly not as good as we uh, we had hoped for. Um, NFL recap, 6-1-2 and two plus 7.45. That's a $745 pickup in the NFL for the week. And really, we were just rock solid across the board. The Cardinals were the only L against the Seahawks. We teased the Seahawks plus 8, and we took the Cardinals minus 2. Was hoping to fall into that 
you know, three, four, five, six point win there for the cards. They just, they were the, that was our only L. Everything looked, else looked really nice. Chargers got the win for the two unit pickup. The Ravens got the minus two and a half, two unit pickup as well. We smacked both teasers, uh, relying heavily on the Bengals there at minus one in both of them. Um, you know, overall solid week there. Major League Baseball season comes to an end. We finished one and one for the week, uh, plus 0.45 as we hit the Astros on game five and then we missed the Phillies team total over three and a half on game three where they got no hits so obviously that wasn't close but finished the uh, Major League Baseball season ahead for the year not by a lot but we made a, a couple shekels there NBA underway we were three and three for the week at plus 0.7 um, didn't really have any notables I mean we had a two unit bet out on OKC against Orlando they smacked uh, the Suns we had on Monday night minus 135 against the Sixers. Uh, they never had the lead in the ball game, so it was not really a um, not really a good feeling when you uh, have the the money line favorite there. Obviously, um, did not feel like we were on the right side of that. Um, in the NHL, we went one and one, lost point uh, one units, so you know pretty much broke even there. And then we took college basketball on the first night. Uh, 0-2, minus 2.05 units. Akron did not cover. Clemson did not cover. Um, Akron was there. We went to overtime, just couldn't get it done. They ended up winning the game by two. So, yeah, not, I mean, not a bad week. You know, 2015 and 3 plus 450 bucks uh, or 4.5 units, however you're betting. Um, we'll take it into college football this weekend. Keep in mind, the full cards will be out on Twitter on Friday. That's going to be every play that we're taking. Um, on the pod and the stream, we're only giving out three or four bets uh, just to kind of keep things brief. Um, first game will be USC Colorado on Friday night over 66. Um, kind of looking at this thing both ways. Uh, neither team is really wowing anyone on defense, especially not Colorado. They're giving up almost 500 yards a game and average giving up 40 points a game. They're going up against a USC team who's giving up 400 yards a game as well. Um, USC's only giving up 25 a game. Defense obviously better than Colorado's, but I think the standalone stat is USC's offense. They're averaging 40. Um, USC in their last three games, though, have given up 35, 37, and 42. Um, I think the offenses they face, while none of them elite, are going to be a hair better than Colorado, but I don't think we need 42 out of Colorado in this game. Um, I've got a little prediction here that I, I think we see USC throw up a 50-burger um, they are in a spot right now, I believe number nine in the college football poll. They've got a game with Oregon coming up. But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if USC beats Oregon and that is going to get them in the playoff. They probably are going to have to go win the Pac-12, and they're going to need to win almost every game impressively. And so when I say that, that leads me to believe that USC is going to come out firing in this game. Like you might see 35-40 in the first half out of them. Um, and then you see that second half where it's like, all right, we're going to come out, let some other people play, maybe one or two scores, and that gets them into the 50s, maybe the high 50s, while probably Colorado slides in a couple scores. You know, if my prediction's right and we get 50 out of USC, that means we need 17 out of Colorado. So would 52-17 sound right? I think it goes higher than that personally, but um, that's going to be our first play. That's for a unit. Um, second is going to be Houston, minus 20 over Temple. Uh, probably think I'm crazy here taking a team that gave up 77 to SMU last week, but SMU does have a good offense and they're obviously much better than Temple. Um, things for me here, um, four out of the last five games for Temple, they've scored under 20 points. And if they score under 20 in this game, this is a lock. There is no way Houston doesn't score 40 on Temple this week. Temple's D, um, they've given up 
they gave up 70 to Central Florida. And if you're comparing teams, Central Florida and Houston are pretty similar football teams as far as offensively is how, how they, you know, how they get to the end zone. Um, and something just smells like this one could be a massive blowout. I think, you know, they scored 60 last week, Houston did. It wouldn't shock me to see it again. I don't think Danner Holgerson at this point, the season's kind of a wash. It's one of those things now you just kind of kind of roll the, you know, roll the ball out and let them play. Um, I do think this is going to take three quarters to get there. You know, four. I don't know if you're going to see Houston come out and just it's twenty-one nothing at the first quarter because Temple's going to move the ball. Houston can't stop anyone, but Temple's terrible. So it's just one of those things. I got a good feeling here. We're going to get a good fifty-five, sixty out of Houston. Um, no defense being played on either side, so it's going to be high scoring. But we'll take our shot with Houston minus twenty for a unit. Um, we're also going to go. Wisconsin minus one and a half against Iowa. These two teams are very similar um, defensively, um, almost identical statistical-wise defensively, both very strong, just like you would expect out of the Big Ten. But I think where you uh, you see the difference is Wisconsin offense scoring 30 a game to Iowa's 17. I'm shocked that Iowa's even getting that many points on the board for how bad they are offensively. I don't think uh, Mertz is going to go out and – throw for 350 on Iowa, but I just see this being a close, low-scoring game. Wisconsin, just a little too much for these guys, and it's under a field goal. It was three and a half. It might make me, you know, sway my decision with them being on the road, but I just think everyone, for whatever reason, gives Iowa these these respect spreads, and Iowa did their thing against Purdue last week, but Wisconsin's a whole different animal than Purdue, so we're going to take Wisconsin minus one and a half for a unit. And then in probably the most square dog I'll take, as I avoided the big square dog last week with Tennessee, I'm going to take TCU plus seven. It's pretty much this simple. If Texas is playing a team that to me is better than them and they're the favorite, it's just strictly off the name Texas. I don't think in any way Texas should be favored in this ballgame by seven. I don't care if it's at Texas. I don't think Texas has that big of a home field advantage, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people see Texas beat Oklahoma earlier in the year and just assume they're back, and then you see them play, and you're like, all right, so they're just mid-level what they've been. Um, TCU's hot. And TCU's got an offense that will put up points on this on this Texas defense. I think you'll you'll see some tightness. This always happens in college football when some rankings come out for these playoffs and a team like TCU who's never been there before is now in there because if the season ended yesterday, TCU's the four spot in the playoff. So you might see like maybe the lights might be a little too bright for them early, but TCU should be able to hang offensively with Texas. I don't think TCU's even that big a slouch on defense. I love what Sonny Dykes is doing for them. And if I'm catching seven in this one, I feel great. I think TCU can win outright, and if i got a team that's getting seven points, I don't care if it's on the road, and we can win outright, I'm going to take it. It's a unit. You know, go Horn Frogs. Uh, moving over to the NFL, we're going to take the Broncos and Titans under 39. I think everybody knows what you're going to get out of the Broncos defensively, and probably you know what you're going to get out of the Broncos offensively with how bad Russell Wilson's been. I think everybody's kind of been waiting on an explosion game, and I think you're going to be waiting maybe till next year. This offense just isn't built, um, and he's not doing the things necessary to uh, to do what he was doing in Seattle by hanging big numbers on people. And as you can tell, Geno ain't struggling in Seattle either. Um, and then with the Titans, man, I was just really impressed with their Monday night game. Uh, I'm sorry, Sunday night game against the Chiefs. That Chiefs offense, I mean, Patrick Mahomes threw for 400 yards and you only gave up 20 points in overtime. Um, it just shows you the Titans, 
they got they got what it takes defensively to hold down the Broncos. I think this line should be at 35, 36. It's just when you go that low in the NFL, everyone's going to hammer the over. Um, but, yes, give me the under there for a unit. Browns plus three and a half at Miami. Um, it's going to make you go gross, and I get that. Everyone loves Miami this year, and I do too. I've bet on Miami several times, uh, probably more than most, but I just don't think this is a great spot for them. Miami's got a bye next week. Um, this is a long time to run in the season without a bye, and it's one of those things where they're going to be in a look-ahead spot. They're in a good spot right now for the playoffs. I'm not saying that they're not going to take the game seriously, but I think the Browns come in a little undervalued. They're coming off a bye, so you had the opportunity to get healthy, get rested. They're coming off a big win two weeks ago against Cincy where they just beat the brakes off of them, and I think the Browns are just a little undervalued. Jacoby Brissett has not had a bad year. I'm not saying he's up there with, with the big boys, Josh Allen and, you know, Herbert and all, you know, Mahomes and all these guys. But I think the Browns have a good enough defense to keep Tua in check. Dolphins are surviving wins, 35-32 over the Bears. You know, they're just winning by three and four each week. And I think this is a team where Nick Chubb is going to be able to come in and establish a ground game that's going to move our clock a little bit. Um, Tua will be Tua. He's going to probably sling that ball around. But don't be surprised if you see the Browns win this ball game. So we'll take them with three in the hook there for a unit. And then last game is just as simple as this, fade the Panthers under a touchdown. If I see the Panthers under a touchdown, I'm fading it. And it just happens to be the Falcons this week. And really, I feel great about it because I think the Falcons are better than people thought. And they've proven that almost every week. They took the Chargers down to the last second last week. They've been hanging in ball games. They've won a few. They shouldn't. And I really feel like uh, – that Cordell Patterson, Algier, Huntley trio at running back has been really effective. And Cordell looked pretty good again last week, back from injury. So all you really need there is Mariota just to manage the game, control the flow. You're going up against P.J. Walker and a team that's obviously in tank mode. They've gotten rid of everybody offensively. Um, I would be shocked here in the division game to see these Falcons lose. I don't love taking road favorites in divisional games. It's actually like the opposite of my motto, but that would not apply to a team like the Panthers this year who are doing what they're doing. So um, overall, that's four plays in college, three plays in the NFL. Make sure to follow me at the Proper Picks Pod on Twitter and TikTok. We're dropping our full card on Twitter every day, dropping our best bets daily on TikTok. Um, the you know the system that we've been running has been pretty smooth as far as how we're getting them out trying to get them out by five o'clock every day gives you time to look you know if you want to go look at the games yourselves um and today we do have five plays going they will be out um around 5 p.m a college basketball pick uh two college football plays we've got a hockey play tonight that's our best bet of the night um, but, yeah, so make sure you're paying attention there. Full college and pro football cards will be out typically on Friday. Um, and you know the motto, guys. Let's chase the bag, beat the book, collect some coins, um, and maybe pop a few red stripes in the process. Um, hope everybody has a great week. Would love a, uh, would love a money-making week to send us into the Thanksgiving uh, holidays. We've got some big weeks coming up. I believe I saw two weeks from now we've got NFL football on a Thursday, rivalry week in college football, the World Cup going on Friday. That's USA, England. Sunday, Saturday, you've got Iron Bowl. Sunday, you've got NFL games. I mean, this is that time of the year. If you're a sports nut, I mean, it's like waking up on Christmas. Um, but, yeah, hope everybody has a great week, and we'll be back next week.